my dad left at the same age that I ended up coming back. He left for good. And now it kind of feels like I'm coming back, maybe not for good, but, you know, I'm investing pretty heavily in this country and in this language, especially. And it's like all because of my grandma. Bonjour listeners, welcome to another episode of Rearview, the podcast that brings you stories larger than they appear, the stories we look back on to move forward. In each episode, an anonymous storyteller reflects on small moments from their life that unfold into big narratives, exploring the way that our most minute and intimate memories end up being some of the biggest things we think about. Have you ever found that you just don't have the right words at the right time? What if you're not even speaking the right language? In this story about disconnect, a desire to be fully present, and what the French call the thickness of time, our storyteller reflects on using language to find a way back to family, no matter how late it might seem. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the story. from New York and my dad is from central France which are two kind of the most opposite kinds of places you can get because my mom's from New York City you know city city and my dad is from a farming village I grew up in the US so I spent all of my adolescence childhood in California and then I, I went to a school in upstate New York for my bachelor's degree And so I spent a total of 21 years in the U.S. And growing up, I did not speak French. I took three years of French in high school because I had to take a language. You know, and it came pretty easily to me, but it wasn't like coming out of high school, I had any kind of proficiency. Like, I was really not that great. And growing up, we would go visit my dad's family in France every, like, three years or so. But... I grew up not being able to talk to any of my family because my dad is the, he left France when he was in his, about like 21, 22, and he's the only person really who left of his immediate family. So all my uncles and aunts and cousins and my grandparents, I couldn't talk to them. It's the feeling of like when you're in maybe like a religious ceremony for a religion that you don't belong to and you just have no idea what's going on. You feel like an imposter because you're like... I don't really belong here. So in in those gatherings, you would just like sit at the table and smile and not understand anything and feel really stupid and eventually just like go hide somewhere. And so the summer before I started college, we go to France. A lot of our time when we go to France is spent with the family, is spent in my in the village that my dad grew up in. It's about a hundred people. It's this little village nestled in this valley in central France, super agricultural area. And this particular village is about 30 minutes from the nearest like real city. You drive up to it and as you're approaching, you see that it's, you know, there's this village nestled in the valley and then you have these two hills flanking it that each have like a little building on top of them. It's two boobs rising out of the earth with little nipples on top. One is a, a like an abandoned tiny chapel that they used to do like a pilgrimage, quote unquote, up to at Easter, which I find very cute. And then the other hill has the ruins of a medieval castle. And when we say ruins, we mean there's a wall with some windows in it. And so 
It's the year before I start college. And so we're sitting in the kitchen in the house that my dad had grown up in from the age of 12, which has these like kind of eggshell blue walls. There's sun kind of pouring through these lace curtains. There are pictures up in it that have kind of just accumulated since my childhood. But it's just, you know, it's weird to have a place where you go and you don't really know the people, like people you've never been able to talk to, but who care about you so much that they have pictures of you as a baby on the, in their kitchen. So it's like this weird, weird combination of intimacy and foreignness that's very specific. So we're sitting at this table and I finally, for the first time in my life, have enough French that I can understand. It's more, it's that place with language acquisition where it's really frustrating because you understand so much more than you can say. And so you can kind of like get something going and then the person starts talking and you're like thumbs up like you have to just like go along with it and kind of communicate exclusively with your face and body which is a cool skill to have and i'm trying to talk to my grandma who obviously i have a hard time at the time because i don't speak french like i'm complaining about having to shave my legs i'm like this is so annoying in broken french you know and she's like i don't really understand with all you know what it's about because in my time we didn't shave our legs and no one cared and it was fine whatever we didn't have time to think about that and i was like hey that's a good idea that was the first real conversation of any substance besides like the very like standard where's the toilet kind of conversation and there was something about that visit that made me realize like crap I have to keep studying French. It was not at all like, oh, I feel some kind of academic obligation. It was much more just obligation, desire to be able to speak with my family. So I get to college and I get into this really great French class and that kind of like rockets me forward because I suddenly have a really great professor and it I just keep, you know, keep taking one French class a year and eventually you start to think about going abroad and I just decide that I'm gonna go to France for a year. And so I am in Paris. My family's from the center, so I'm three and a half hours by train away from them. But in the winter, during winter break, I spend Christmas with the family at the grandparents' house with my my grandma and grandpa and my aunts and uncles and cousins without anyone from my immediate family. So it's the first time in my life that I've been with my French family without my parents and thus the first time that I don't have a translator. And that was another really big tipping point because it made me realize that I really, 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 really wanted to be able to communicate with these people. And it's not just, you know, being able to express your, like, basic functional needs. I want to be a person who has a personality. And that was a huge motivating factor. And it's something that I talk about all the time. It's like, if you want to learn a language, you need to find a a situation where you want to be a person in that language, and that will get you there and not really anything else. At some point during that period when I'm when I'm there with them I have another conversation with my grandma at the same table in the same kitchen it's very common for farmers to talk about seasons passing because it's very it's very important when you work with plants it's not just like oh the weather it's like oh the weather so we always talk about the seasons passing and whatever but she's she's talking about the seasons passing really quickly you know all of a sudden like it's winter and it's cold and it's you know it's snowing whatever she kind of starts repeating like le temps passe le temps passe vite time passes like time passes so quickly and 
that just kind of stuck with me. And so little by little, we start to talk more and more about the fact that my grandma's showing some signs of dementia. We don't really know what it is. She's just kind of sometimes will slip and like not really be necessarily like she'll be talking about someone and you realize that person might be a childhood friend and not necessarily a person who is in the living world with the rest of us. And so it just she gets confused. She'll kind of forget things. I remember she like offered me clementines like four times, like every time she just forgot that she had offered me an orange for the road. So I go back to Paris and end up going back to America to finish my bachelor's degree for a year. And in my last, my like senior spring, I apply for the teaching assistant program in France just because I don't know what I'm going to do the next year. And it's just a thing to do that brings you to France. You get paid. I'm not necessarily like super, super passionate about teaching. It's just, you know, a thing to do. And I apply to work in all these galleries and stuff because I realized actually while I was in France that I really wanted to do something creative with my life. And I kind of repeatedly get told, you need a master's degree, come back in a few years. I apply for uh, the Peace Corps in China to teach English because I'm starting to increasingly be like, well, I guess when you have a degree in language, you know, maybe teaching like isn't necessarily a bad, you know, it's a thing that I do care about and maybe it's not a bad path to go down, especially since I'm about to go do this teaching assistant program in France for a year. Let's just keep going with teaching. So as of July 2019, my plan is to go to France for a year, then go to China for two years, teaching English all the way through. So I go to France. I actually had applied to and gotten accepted to be a teaching assistant in the same city that my family lives in, which is the city that's 30 minutes away from the village where the grandparents are. And that kind of came from this feeling of, I don't know anything I don't know, you know, what the seasons changing looks like. There's so much background. There's so many questions I want to ask. There's so many things about my my dad's history and this my history that I'm not familiar with. I felt this need to spend more time there and become more familiar with it. And so I go and my grandma's dementia, which it turns out is Alzheimer's, just keeps progressing. By the time I get there, she's permanently in a hospital for elderly people and she just keeps deteriorating and so I go visit her with my aunt about once a month and it's really hard like it's really hard to see her in that state because she was always the talkative person like always the person who knew everybody had a really good memory for names and faces like she was the one who knew everything you know in comparison to my grandfather who is this like silent stoic old French farmer it was there were periods that were really rough and at some point I'm on the phone with my dad I'm talking to him and I am talking about you know I've remarked that my dad and grandpa both have these things that they say a lot my dad's adage is things happen and my grandpa's little saying is we'll we'll start with the patois the regional patois which is quimoco uh translated in french it's c'est comme ça translated into english it's that's how it is. And so I th- I had thought after that conversation with my grandma two years prior when she had been, t- you know, saying time passes so fast, you know, I thought that that was maybe a thing that she just said. And my dad's like, no, she was never a philosophical, theoretical, reflective person like that. Always very just like present, always busy doing stuff. Very, very hard worker, not someone to like sit down and think about time passing. 
and he points out that he also received a card from her at some point and there's a long history with this card basically my grandma was very 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 upset with my dad for leaving france because he's the oldest son and um she was really heartbroken like heartbroken when he left and it looked like he was leaving for good and she would send him these like nasty letters being like how could you steal because i'm also the oldest grandchild how could you steal my oldest grandchild from me like how could you do this to me and so the last real card that she sent was very different and it was more the same thing time passes it was super poetic so you know he's like yeah she also wrote about this in this card and he started talking about the relationship between memory and time that as you lose your memories in his words you lose the thickness of time which i think is more of a french phrase l'épaisseur du temps but it you know it works in english but that it's really it's memory that gives you a sense of temporal scale and without memory you are floating in a in a dimensionless sea of things and people that the strings that connect them dissolve and it it's felt just super accurate you know when she was still you know really talking she would still have the names of people but not necessarily the relationships between them and so that was that was just like just kind of a revelation about the power of memory and thus like as someone who makes art how that relates to art making and especially as someone who does a lot of photography photography is this really special relationship with time and with memory because you know if you think about exposure time and development and printing and all the tactical sides it's very temporal like very sensitive to the time dimension it also culturally has this really intimate relationship to memory because of its role as like documentation so it got me thinking a lot about time and documentation and during uh, our lovely corona period which is not over in france we had like a pretty strict confinement and i was obviously in a city in the center of france most of my housemates left so i was pretty alone i ended up just having this feeling of like never knowing wh what time it was and what day it was and so i like i did a project where for a month i took a photo every waking hour really like in reaction to this idea from my grandma or from my dad about my grandma about memory being the thickness of time like the substance of time and thinking about how i could concretize my own lived experience into memories that would be recorded differently and like sculpt the shape of time through that process of documentation and come straight from her. Let's jump to January 2020. So at this point, I'm still supposed to be finishing my language assistant job in April, the end of April, and then leaving for China at the beginning of June. And I get an email on January 18th, 2020, that the Peace Corps China program has been completely eliminated, canceled, undone. It's gone. We're not going. And it suddenly, the rug is just, not just the rug, but the entire goddamn planet has just fallen out from under my feet and I have no future. Then Corona starts to hit the fan. And so then we go into confinement. And so I have all this time. Because I'm in France, I start kind of poking around at things in France. I just am Googling pedagogy art masters because I'm realizing that I don't really want to do a master's degree that's exclusively, like I'm not ready to give up on art stuff. And I start finding things where I'm like, I don't know anything about, you know, master's degrees in Francophone Europe, but let's go. Like, I want to learn about it. And over the course of three months... I applied to a bunch of grad schools in Francophone Europe 
I get in. Whoa. And um, this reality just kind of starts to creep up on me that like I'm here for another couple of years. So that'll make, you know, a minimum of four years in France, which is enough to start thinking about staying here longer. So I just keep thinking about how my dad left at the same age that I ended up coming back. He left for good. And now it kind of feels like I'm coming back, maybe not for good, but, you know, I'm investing pretty heavily in this country and in this language, especially. And it's like all because of my grandma. Because if I didn't have the language, I wouldn't be able to do that. So it's me almost paying for the sins of my dad who left, you know, being able to come back and make that connection and put in that effort. And also a realization that there are certain people in this world who you can make super, super happy just by being there. And that my grandma is one of those people. And that was why it was so heartbreaking for her for us to not be near. And how kind of just tragic it is that I, now that I'm finally here, I finally freaking speak French well enough to have a good conversation. She she can't demonstrate that she appreciates it. Like at this point now, she, she can't really talk anymore. So there's this tragedy that like, I know that if she were, if I could tell her, that I came back. I need to tell her at some point. That's the full circle. In a way, because of her, I was able to come back and like do a thing that felt so improbable and so out of reach for so many years. There were so many times where, you know, I just tried so hard to get into the art world and it didn't work. And finally, because I have the French and also in part because I, you know, did my time and worked really hard, like the public art projects that I did that are socially engaged in various ways that probably contributed to me getting into school, I did them because I was in France. And I was in France because of her. So it just keeps coming back, you know. convinced at this point that I want to go back and say the things that I need to say. On my birthday, which was not that long ago, my aunt called me from the hospital with my grandma and I hear her say something like, it's the birthday of your oldest granddaughter. And my grandma bursts into tears like out of nowhere, like this weird recognition that we don't really see anymore. So yeah, that small glimmer was just like, okay, I think I'm going to go and um, just let her know that I'm here. Less in a place of like, it might be the, I really, I, I refuse to be like, this is the last time I'm seeing her. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Nor to be like, if I have a thing to say, I'm going to go say it. And this way it's said in my relationship with her. It's just imbued a lot of my life with this sense of, if you have a thing to do, do it now. Don't wait. In the present moment, I've moved to this city where I'm going to be living to do my degree, which is extremely exciting and strange to think about the weird, improbable circumstances that brought me here. Me being in France is probably one of the, the only things she ever wanted of me was just for me to be here and be around. But, you know, my, my grandparents had no real expectations of me. My parents always were like, you're going to become a doctor or whatever. My grandparents were like, literally all we freaking want in this world is for you to be around for us to see you. And I sometimes feel so guilty that I wasn't able, I didn't do that earlier, but I'm finally here. And I, I just, I want to let her know. 
Once again, thanks for listening to Rearview. This podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Claudia Schatz, and co-produced by Eliza Wilkins, who is our magical social media guru. Our theme music was composed by Charlie Romano, and this episode's music was In Pursuit of Silence by Daniel Birch. Our visuals are by Sarah Pinsano and Fig, and you can find links to more of their artwork on our Facebook and Instagram pages. If you like this episode, why not tell a friend about Rearview? You can also do us a favor by subscribing wherever you listen, writing a review, leaving us some stars, liking us on social media, following us, sharing our stuff. If you'd like to get in touch, please write to us on Facebook or Instagram at Rearview Podcast or at cshats at wesleyan.edu. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and we'll have more stories to share soon. I'm just making sure you get a nice ASMR.